0: go check out platform.com that's P L T four M.com for our full series and catch up on any episodes you might've missed. Don't forget to check out at coach Schiffman on Twitter and use the hashtag hog football chat. When you're there, we have a great episode for you today. So let's go ahead and kick this off. Before we even kick off the podcast, I want to just remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. All right, here we go. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Hog Football Podcast. Today I've got one of my very close coaching friends, Joe Osavet, with me. Uh, Coach Acevedt is currently the tight ends coach at University of Tennessee after serving uh, two years off the field there. Uh, before that, he spent time as a head coach at ASA Brooklyn and Nassau Community College, where he won some championships, broke a lot of records, and scored a lot of points. So uh, it's super excited to have Coach Osavet here, Coach Oz. What's going on, man? How are you? How you
1: doing, man? Good to be with you.
0: Good, good. Glad to have you. Uh, you know, first first question I ask everybody, and, and this is uh, it's kind of a softball question, but um, it's still something I got to ask. Uh, you've had a lot of success and had some really great teams. Uh, how important was the offensive line to to the success of those football teams
1: I think it's it means everything in the world the the success as an offensive line, especially on the offensive side of the football you know that old adage of you you win and lose games up front I mean nothing can be uh, truthful as that uh you know from a communication standpoint from uh from uh you know being able to run the football uh opens such so many things up from an offensive standpoint so obviously the offensive line is, is the cog that makes this whole thing go you know the quarterback is as much to do with it as anything but you live and die with the guys that work their asses off in the trenches
0: yeah absolutely like I said it's uh I kind of knew the answer we were going to get but I still like to I like to hear everybody's response so um so uh, I appreciate that. Um, you know, a couple – first question I have for you is, that, you know, obviously right now you're, you're at University of Tennessee, a, a great, unbelievable job, at, a, you know, Power Five. But you spent a lot of time in, in, in the junior college ranks, and that's kind of where, you, you know, you made your bones. But um, my question is sort of spending so much time there. What are some – people have this, this strange perception of junior college football. What are, what are some, some myths that aren't just necessarily true about JUCO football?
1: uh some myths that aren't that's a good question I never thought of that some myth Oh well, well, sure. I, I, can, I can tell you this you know being the power five level and coaching here the thing that you don't get at to junior college guys you don't have the the abundance of resources that you would have at a power five like I, I tell everyone everyone asks me a question in regards to what, what's the biggest difference I say as a junior college, not only as just a head coach, but as a position coach, at the junior college level as well. It's just, there's a lot more to it than coaching. You know, you're a guidance counselor, you're a mentor, you're a psychologist at some level. So you're always putting out a lot of fires where at the power five level, you know, you have a player development, you have academic people, you have a strength staff. So, really your nuts and bolts is making sure you're taking care of your room at the power five level. uh, Also being a mentor to the kids at the power five level, but you're not, you're not really dealing with kids in regards to all those other aspects. Whereas junior college, you're just, I mean, you have a staff of 10 people and you're wearing a, you're wearing, uh, you're wearing all those different hats that all those uh, staffs that you have at the power five level that you don't have at the junior college level myths. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you're dealing, especially the two places I've been, you're always dealing with quality athletes for right. one reason or another. They didn't, they didn't have the resources or the know-how, how to be successful from an academic standpoint or a test taking standpoint. So, um, but there's always, there was always good athletes at the places I was. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's much different to how you're dealing with players at the junior college. Level. I just think, and, and and, again, I'll use this old adage that if the kids know you care about them uh, and, and, and they understand that you're willing to – and you have their best interests at heart and you're willing to just go above and beyond for them, that they're going to play their asses off for you. And, and I kind of – I feel the same way even here. You know, if right. the kids feel like they have your back, they're going to go above and beyond and, and make sure that they have yours when they step on the field um, for either practice or games for that matter.
0: Right. And I I mean, I would imagine, you know, you're still recruiting the same type of kids that you, well, you know, now that you're at Tennessee, you were still probably recruiting the same type of kids almost for when you were at the JUCO level. Does that, I mean, how much did that change?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, the the thing I think benefited me was, is that we always tried to go after the major college football players, the JUCO level. And for some reason or another, be it SAT or or, or or core GPA, they weren't able to get into those four-year institutions. So when you're evaluating film, there's not much difference in what the talent level is you're looking for. Right. Um, you know, you'll have those tweeners, though, at the junior college level that might have been overlooked, but those were few and far between when you start the initial process of going through the evaluation period of what you were looking for. So um, you hit the nail on the head, I think uh, – that helped me a little bit with that transition in regards to having the ability to evaluate and, and, and keep it in line with what we were look, what we're looking for here at the university of Tennessee as well.
0: Right. You know, and you kind of touched on that a little bit with you're still getting top, top quality athletes. And, and that, that brings me to my next question. You know, um, you scored a ton of points at the junior college level and, and you'd a ton of points running, you know, a high tempo offense. Um, what, what made you guys switch to that bolt offense and, and start going to that, that fast tempo?
1: Well, he, here's what we, here's what my always, and this will tie in real good to your first question about the importance of offensive line. And here's kind of my philosophy on how, how I think about this game in regards to trying to keep it as simple as possible, right? A lot of people revolve around that KISS principle, but what we want our offensive line to do is is rely more on communication and technique not have to worry about those add-on defenders into the box where the RPO segment came into and as long as we keep it simple and the communication process is good up front i think those 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 two factors are probably the most important key to offensive offensive success mm-hmm. so what how that kind of evolved was you know it, from an RPO standpoint, in, in layman's terms, we're going to block five and read the six or block six and read the seven if you were if you were an 11 personnel. And that's kind of how we went about it. And I think it played – I mean, it was a real advantage for us because it was, it was so, sort of simplistic. Uh, we tried to eliminate as much cognitive process from the offensive line as we possibly can yep. and put all that thought process at the quarterback position. And, uh, and, and I think what really made us take off, obviously, we started implementing, you know, in the late 2000, we started implementing that RPO stuff. Um, and you heard me speak about that as well right. with regards to, you know, having undersized dynamic playmakers in a slot that really weren't as physical as some of those linebackers that were over the top of them. And so instead of us banging our head against the wall and having to block them, if you're running some type of outside zone or. Trying to cut them off and beating them to the point and in inside zone, but well, we said, "Shit, if they want to add on, we're just going to throw some type of RPO out there," and and that's how that's basically how that bolt offense kind of took off. But uh, yeah. it, like like you said early on, I think having the offensive line have an idea pre snap of what they're looking for. Uh, widen the formations out to try to get a clear picture of that box count for them. So the defense couldn't stem and they had to basically show their hand. That's what really gave us the next step in regards to taking off with that offense that we ran there.
0: Yeah. And, and like I said before, you guys, I mean, anybody interested can, can look up some of the records that, that you guys broke and some of the points you guys scored. And, and it's uh it's, it's impressive. It's very, very impressive. So, um, you know, Another question I've got for you uh, is kind of just more for my own curiosity, it, but how? Uh, talk to me kind of a little bit about Nalen Stadium on a Saturday afternoon. How? How? What? What? What kind of experience is that?
1: I mean, I'll tell you this: So the first time I went up there in our first spring game, I don't even know it might have been 18. What is it? It was 18. You know it we had, I think we had about 80,000 for the first spring <laughs> game. And wow. it was, I, I don't get wowed very often in my life, but when you walked out of that tunnel and you heard 80,000 people screaming at a spring game yeah, and ball walk and the tradition, you know, growing up, I mean, Tennessee was the powerhouse and premier program in the SEC. And you walk out that stadium and it was just a that the back, the hair on the back of your neck literally was standing up. And then I'll never forget we we opened up our first game. Me being down, we played at uh, we played in Carolina against West Virginia, and then came home. I don't even remember who we opened up against, but running through the tee and and again the home ball walk and and being on ESPN and you hear a hundred and some odd thousand screaming and literally the stands. I mean, it's something that. It, people have to put it on their bucket list. It's, uh, right. it's something that that you'll never forget for the rest. At least I won't. Um, and we're getting back to that. You know, I think our head coach, Coach Pruitt is a, not only is he a brilliant football mind, but I think he's, he's a head coach that relates real well with his players, uh, does a hell of a job uh, managing managing our kids and, and knows when to put his foot down and be stern at the same token understands uh, what it takes to be a, a student athlete and all the rigors that go into that. Right. So he's got us heading the right direction. You know, we put two top 10 recruiting classes together and, and finished with the, right now we have the second longest winning streak in college football and stocks up at the university of Tennessee. So I'm excited for what this future is going to bring Uh, offensively we got coach Chaney with us now who's been nothing but successful at every stop he's been be at the St. Louis Rams you know coach Drew Brees with Purdue and had a long stint at the University of Georgia as a successful offensive coordinator and um, and and I'm excited about where this thing's going and and how the University of Tennessee football program is about to uh, take off so yeah uh, it's a good time on Rocky Top right now.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I've always kind of been a, 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 kind of a, a secretive Tennessee fan, just because I was a, a big Peyton Manning fan growing up. But you know, you being involved, I'm definitely a lot more of a, an outspoken fan now. So uh, I'm I'm happy for you guys' success. Um, last question I got for you, and this is one to ask everybody, Coach. Um, you know, you've you've coached for a long time. Uh, if you could put together sort of your own Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen, what, what five guys would you pick? And it can be guys you've coached or guys you've, you know, even you played with or, or coached against, but, but what five guys would you put on that Mount Rushmore?
1: Oh, God, that's just such a tough question. Uh, <laughs> well, one of the best ones I'd have to, I, ha- I had two good ones that I've coached, had to be like Chad Mavetti. Uh, he was one of my uh, offensive linemen at Nassau Community College, wound up going to play at, at Florida State. Uh, had Badara Treor who wound up playing for national championship LSU Tigers. Um, I was always a fan of Kevin Mawai. Yep. Just being a Jets fan. Um, I'm trying to think who else that kind of I've always was in awe about. Uh, Anthony Munoz has got to be on there. Yep. Um, you know, God, my mind's. <laughs> right now, thinking of the guys that I really thought were a hell of a football player. I'll tell you, there's a couple too that never wound up making it to the league, but just had that, that tenacity and that right. Don't uh, brought their lunch pail to the table everything, every single Saturday. You're talking about guys that have coached the, the Greg Munches and, and um, Nick Fairholds and uh, God. There's just so so many good ones. I um, who else was good that I that I really looked up to and I thought they did a great job for me. Um, Steve is of the world. Mm-hmm. It, I, I, I forgive me, guys, and I'm missing all the <laughs> you guys that out there that I really love. But you know, one thing that we always did, we always prided ourselves wherever we've been, is 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 going out and getting some more daddies on the on the offense and defensive line, and yep you know coach sullivan coach rizzo the my, my line guys that that where i've been that they've done a they did a remarkable job developing those guys and getting them getting them where they got to go so yeah uh, but yeah th- th- there's so many good ones out there
0: well those are the ones you lay the ones you named are, are pretty good ones so i know some people will recognize those names so that's that's yeah. that's pretty good um well, all right, Coach, we're going to get you out of here. Um, if you want to go ahead and drop your Twitter handle and, and anything else you want these uh, the listeners to know about, we'll, we'll get you on your way.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, very easy Twitter handle. It's at Coach Osevet, uh, O-S-O, V as in Victor, E-T. And uh, I appreciate you having me on. Like I, like I said, I spoke at your clinic numerous amount of times. What you guys do, be an advocate for, for this great game of football, it, it especially this time. Mm-hmm. uh on with this pandemic people can log on go to the hog football channel you guys do a heck of a job promoting our game and and just keep up the good work I know people are starved to get this thing back and anyway us coaches we really appreciate any way that we can get better and and logging on and finding different resources on the internet and listen to podcasts like this I think is a great thing for the game and it's a great thing to get our minds off of for a little bit of time, what's going on in the real world right now. So I can't thank you guys enough for for doing this for all us coaches out there.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I appreciate you coming on coach and, and uh, you know, stay healthy and, and stay safe. And, and hopefully we will, uh, we'll see you soon uh, in person, hopefully. So.
1: Absolutely. God bless. Take care again. Thanks for having me on shift.
0: All right. Thanks coach. All right, bud. Bye. Thanks again for everyone listening and remember to go check out platform.com for the full series of hog football podcast episodes. We want to thank everybody for their continued support and be on the lookout for our hog football chat series from Twitter on our website, hogfootballchat.net. You can check out all of our great sponsors and tons of awesome conversations from the chat and the podcast.